0: You're listening to King's Court's Message of the Week from King's Court Church in Kingston, Ontario. For more information, please visit our website, www.kingscourtfmc.com. This morning I want to speak, at least in part, to a dream that we here at King's Court have. And that dream, as you've heard me say time and time again, is to share everything we have so that no one is in need. And that is not something that was contrived out of the air. No, this dream, this goal was taken directly from the example of the first Christian church as documented in the book of Acts. This was part of what it meant for the first believers to form a community. It's what it meant for the first believers to form a fellowship, to become in essence family, related through the blood of Christ. I hope when you come here, you feel like family. I've often thought about opening our services with a theme song to cheers. Making your way in the world today takes everything you've got. Taking a break from all your worries sure would help a lot. Wouldn't you like to get away? Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. And they're always glad you came You want to be where you can see Troubles are all the same You want to be where everybody knows your name I always thought that would be a good song for church But then I looked at the rest of the lyrics Like, no, probably not And really the song is mostly associated now with a bar Probably not really what I'm going for But that's the problem. Too many people are looking for a sense of belonging, looking for love as the song goes, in all the wrong places. Trying to find connection in a dark room with loud music and liquor flowing is not the basis of a healthy, lasting relationship. Creating a social media profile where you share about your day craving the acceptance found in likes and comments is not really being in relationship. Even if you have tens of thousands of followers, you are not in a real community. But I digress. This morning, I want us to look at the first and best example of what Christian community is, what church family looks like because following this model will give us what we're looking for, and most importantly, form us into who God is calling us to be. Would you open your Bibles, please, to the book of Acts, chapter two. And we're gonna read verses 42 to 47. The book of Acts, chapter two, verses 42 to 47. And I'm gonna read it through once, and then I'm gonna unpack it verse by verse. And my subtitle, In my Bible says the believers form a community. And it begins, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders, and all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Let's take a moment. Let's pause. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, We here at Kings Court desire to be formed into family, into a community related through the blood of Christ. We want to form a fellowship that is devoted to you, growing in love for you, for one another and all others. And not simply a love of words, but love displayed in action and in truth. A love for you evident in our devotion to your word, in our worshiping you together with one voice and heart, in our observance of communion and prayer, A love for one another and others evident in our gathering together inside and outside these walls, sharing meals and laughter and time together, encouraging one another, praying for one another and supporting one another, sharing all that we have with those in need. And Lord, we don't want to do this for our benefit, though we do recognize walking in obedience to you is always to our benefit. We seek to do all this so that others might be saved, so that our family here at King's Court might grow, that your kingdom would increase and you would be glorified. As we look now to your word for guidance and direction, inspiration, Lord, we pray that you would speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Verse 42 says, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. That verse begins with a very important word, and that word, three letters, is all. All the believers. Not those who have simply been believers the longest, not the richest believers, not the most mature believers, not the believers who have it all together, not just the youth or the young adults, nor simply the classics, but all the believers. I've said it before, and I will say it again and again and again. We are stronger together. All the believers were devoted, devoted. Devotion is defined as the love, loyalty, or enthusiasm for a person, activity, or cause. When our love for God and others, when our loyalty to him and each other, when our enthusiasm for his cause, for his kingdom plans and purposes, When that diminishes, when our devotion wanes, we all suffer. The strength of our community, the fellowship of our family, the best of what God's people are capable of, and the power of the Holy Spirit diminishes as our devotion wanes. There are four things specifically listed here that all the believers were devoted to. And I wanna briefly look at each of those. First, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. An apostle was a disciple of Christ, one who had walked with Jesus, been taught by Jesus, was following the example of Jesus, sharing the teaching of Jesus. There are 12 apostles named in the book of Acts, Peter, Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Thomas, Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, Judas, son of James, Simon the Zealot, and Judas, who was replaced by Matthias. These apostles were teaching what Christ had taught them, passing it on. They were passing on the good news, the good news of Jesus, the substance of which was peace and pardon, righteousness, forgiveness, salvation through Christ alone. To say that they were devoted to the apostles' teaching means they were more than just listeners. They did more than just show up on a Saturday or a Sunday and listen to a sermon. They put it into practice. They did more than simply believe what they heard. They learned it so they could live it. They did more than just listen. They learned it so they could live it. Despite opposition, despite ridicule, despite the threat and reality of oppression and persecution, they stood firm on the teachings of Christ, passed on to the apostles' teaching. It goes on to say they devoted themselves to fellowship. Have you ever found yourself surrounded by people and yet still feeling all alone? That's the opposite of fellowship but that's still a very sad reality of our time. We can all gather and meet in this place and never really be together. The Greek word here used for fellowship is koinonia, and it speaks to the intimacy and this familial bond that is formed when you share things in common. Barnes' notes on the Bible offers this. They have the same hope of heaven, the same joys, the same hatred of sin, the same enemies to contend with. Thus, they have the same subjects of conversation of feeling and of prayer. The word here may apply to either all of these things to their conversation, their prayers, their dangers, or their property, and means that they were united to the apostles, that they participated with the apostles in whatever befell them. Christians feel that they are a band of brothers, and that However much they are separated before they became Christians, now they have great and important interests in common. They are united in feelings, in interests, in dangers, in conflicts, in opinions, and in the hopes of a blessed, immortal eternity, amen? James Boise writes, if you find yourself at a fellowship with God, you will begin to find yourself at a fellowship with other Christians. You will say, I don't really like to be with other Christians very much. They all seem to be hypocrites, which we all are. I'm sure many of you have family and friends who think such things about the church. And again, they're right. Hypocrisy has always been found in the church. But a lack of fellowship, a lack of gathering together, reveals more about a person's own distancing from God than the state of the church. If you find yourself at a fellowship with God, you will begin to find yourself at a fellowship with other Christians. Mm. It goes on to say that they devoted themselves to the breaking of bread, the sharing of meals together, including the Lord's Supper. Breaking bread together, sharing a meal together denoted intimacy and friendship. In breaking bread together, they were sharing their very lives with one another. There's something very intimate and bonding when you eat a meal together. Even more so when you go to someone's home or invite somebody in your home to have a meal together. You're letting them into a very intimate part of your life. Your dirty closets and your unwashed floors maybe and the dust on your television. But this speaks to the depths of togetherness that this community was developing. Think of it for a moment. It's not typically your closest relationships. Is it not those relationships that you invite people into your home for a meal? We don't often invite strangers into a home for a meal. It's usually those we feel closest to. I think we lost some of the koinonia. I think we lost some of the fellowship of the church when pastors stopped going to parishioners' homes for a meal. When parishioners stopped inviting the pastor into their home for a meal. When pastors stopped inviting parishioners' into their home for a meal. I think some of that fellowship fell away. I think it fell away when church families stopped gathering together after service at each other's homes for lunch. I didn't grow up in the church, but I understand it was a common practice and when church service ended, a lot of people broke off into different homes to enjoy a meal together. And I think we've lost some of the koinonia when we stopped doing that because we've gotten too busy. We have things to rush off to. Please make sure the sermon is not more than 20 minutes because I have somewhere to be in 25 minutes, (laughs) let alone have somebody over for lunch. And that's why I've made Sunday afternoon lunch with Pastor Kathleen a part of our renewal, because I believe that that's part of the building of fellowship in Koinonia. The first church included communion as a part of this practice, as a part of this having a meal together, inviting Christ into their fellowship, inviting Christ in their time together. And having read this passage again this week in preparation for the sermon, I've decided that from now on, when I come to your house for lunch or you come to my house for lunch, we're going to have communion together. We're going to have communion as part of our Sunday lunch visits together. We're going to invite Christ in a very intentional and tangible way into our time together. It goes on to say that they devoted themselves to prayer. I've said it before, and I will say it again and again and again. Prayer is the foundation of the life of a church. It is the very life support of God's people. Prayer is your life support. I believe the maxim is true. That the vitality of the church is a measure of the reality of our prayers. That the success of this church is a measure of the reality of our prayers. We pray more, we're gonna see more. We pray more, we're gonna be encouraged and equipped and enabled to do more. We pray more, we're gonna be strengthened more. To say that the believers were devoted to prayer is not to imply that out of some obligation or pressure to pray that they committed to doing so five times a day, no matter what. To say that they were devoted to prayer is to say that instead, they so wanted to hear from God. They so wanted to sit in his presence that they delighted in prayer. What was the result of this devotion? Of their devotion to the learning and living of God's word, to gathering together and sharing life together, to the devotion to prayer. Verse 43 says, a deep sense of awe came over them all and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. Let me ask you a question this morning. When was the last time a deep sense of awe came over you? When was the last time being in the presence of God left you with a sense of reverence and respect for his holiness? Part of the awe referred to here was a sense of conviction. The power of the Holy Spirit to bring someone to repentance, releasing them from slavery to sin, allowing them to enter into freedom. It was a holy fear that descended on believers and non-believers alike. In Acts 2, chapter 13, the people looking on at the new believers mocked them in disbelief. But now, in the shadow of the recent crucifixion of Jesus, having just witnessed these believers speaking in languages (laughs) unknown to them but known to the foreigners... Having witnessed the boldness with which Peter preached, it left everyone in awe. It left many with a sense of conviction, a conviction that would bring repentance, a conviction that would bring freedom. I have, on a number of occasions, had people ask me, Where are all the signs and wonders? I want to see signs and wonders. Why? They say, I wish I was part of a church that exhibited signs and wonders. Whenever I hear this, I think of the clip from Bruce Almighty. Give me a signal. Oh, I need your guidance, Lord. Please, send me a sign. Oh, what's this yes. joker doing now? Okay, all right, I'll try your way, all right? Lord, I need a miracle. Desperate, I need your help, Lord. Please, reach into my life. I'm not sure if you saw at the beginning. I need a sign, God. And he drives by and it's a whole truck of signs. Then he goes, Lord, I need a sign. It's like, caution, you're going the wrong way. God, I need a sign. And I think we're like that. Where are the signs and wonders? And then we get angry at God. And all the time, God is speaking to us. All the time, God is showing us a better way. All the time, God is showing up and showing off and trying to guide us and direct us. My recent response to someone who said, where are all the signs and wonders, was we just fed 350 people a full Christmas Eve dinner. Where are all the signs and wonders? My response was, we just baptized four people. Where are all the signs and wonders? We've seen a man set free from addiction. Where are all the signs and wonders? We've seen people healed. We've heard testimonies upon testimonies of God's good work in people's lives. God is not impotent, he is not distant, he is here and he is at work and signs and wonders are all around us if we would open our hearts and our eyes to see them. I can assure you of this, the more devoted we are to learning and living out the teachings of Christ, the more devoted we are to gathering together and to growing in deeper relationship with God and others, the more devoted we are to prayer, the more signs and wonders we will see. And these are the signs and wonders that I think most delight God's heart. These are the signs and wonders I pray to see here at Kings Court as outlined in verses 44 to 47. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. What a wondrous sign it is of how our church is growing in faith and spiritual maturity and love for God and others. When not a one of us who considers and calls this our church home is missing among us on a Sunday morning. That is a sign in wonder. When not one of us who consider this their church home is missing on a Sunday morning. It says they sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. What a wondrous sign it will be when there are no longer the haves and the have-nots among us. When no one among us is in need because we have shared all that we have. And that's precisely what the Acts Church did. They pooled their resources, inspired and empowered by the work of the Holy Spirit. The believers voluntarily sold their possessions and contributed the proceeds to a general fund from which every believer and undoubtedly non-believers could receive help if each of us shared all we had so that we were able to pay off our mortgage, we could put the money we paid in interest alone into a benevolent fund to help those in need. Because who knows, one day it could be you. One day it could be me. One day it could be Bill. One day it could be Louise and John. But by the grace of God, one day it could be any of us who is in need They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all while praising God. What a wondrous sign it will be when we are eager and delighted to come together, to delve into God's word, to lift up our hearts in praise and worship to our God and Savior, and then in turn to open our homes and our hearts to one another and intentionally acknowledge God's presence in the midst of us. What a sign and wonder it will be when loneliness is abolished by hospitality, graciousness, and love. When rejection is swallowed up by acceptance. When crippling silence is broken with the sounds of laughter. When sorrow is drowned out with shouts of joy. What wondrous signs those will be. Do you think the church is currently enjoying the goodwill of all people? that those on the outside looking in, that those in society value, respect, and delight in the church? I don't think so. In fact, I would say that many people look at the church as suspect, as irrelevant. But as we learn, as we lean and live into this, as we truly become the church, the fellowship, the family of believers, it will be the greatest witness the world has ever seen. And as this first church experienced in Acts... We will enjoy the goodwill of all the people. And people will want what we have. A saving relationship with Jesus Christ. To be in fellowship with believers. And each day, the Lord will add to our church family those who are being saved. I believe that good work has begun. I believe it's a sign and a wonder that nine neighbors not connected to this church in any way, never having attended even the cafe, showed up over the last two months and handed us checks for 200, a check for 100, a check for 50, a check for 20. That's a sign and a wonder. Here's the thing. God didn't give us a program for growing the church. God did not give us a program for growing the church. He did not provide us with a five-step plan for success. He gave us himself, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And when we believe and devote ourselves to him, to his word, to prayer, and to each other, when we meet the spiritual conditions for growth, a dedication to be learning, caring, fellowshipping, praying, then God will grow his church. Do you want our church family here at Kingsport to grow? Yes. Do you want, more importantly, God's kingdom to increase? Yes. yes. Do you want his kingdom to come, his will to be done on earth, just as it is in heaven? Yes. yes. Amen. In closing, I want to share with you, as a reminder, something Matt Skinner once said. It's important to underscore that in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47, that it describes a community of faith that operates in the power of God's spirit. The virtues of justice and worship and mutuality are not accomplishments of extraordinary people. They are the signs of the spirit within a community of people who understand themselves as united in purpose and identity, not a dispersed collection of individual churchgoers. When we gather on Sunday, we don't gather as a collection of individual churchgoers. We gather as a community of faith. We gather as a family of believers. And this is not to say that the members of a community of faith bear no responsibility for living in a way that displays God's reconciliation. Because the audacious claims of Christ's resurrection demands the boldness to learn and to live in to his word. Amen? Amen? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the blessing that we have of being related through the blood of Christ. We thank you for the fellowship of believers. Help us, Lord, to be devoted to your word, to learning it so we can live it out. Help us to be devoted, Father, to one another, to gathering together, God. Help us, Lord, to be devoted to opening our hearts and our homes and sharing life together with one another. Help us to be devoted to prayer, to communing with you, to spending time with you, to relying on you, to trusting in you, to talking to you, and Lord, to listening to you. And in that, may we see signs and wonders abound among us. We thank you so much for your faithfulness to us. We thank you so much for the signs and wonders that we have been privileged to be a part of. Lord, we continue to trust you. We continue to believe in the sign and wonder that is going to allow us to pay off our mortgage so we can bless more people, so that we can share everything that we have so that nobody is in need. Lord, it's not about the money, it's about the mission. Help us to be part of your mission, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.